Now is the time we bring you the virtual stage of our Achieving Optimal Health Conference at Georgetown University. To experience this talk with all the videos, slides, and graphics, go to bbrconsulting.us and click on Conference. One more time, visit bbrconsulting.us. Thanks for staying curious and for living your best life with us. The way we take care of ourselves is ever evolving. And what we know for sure is that our mind and spirit are linked to our physical body and that our wellness seems to extend into our communities and the planet we all share. It is very, very clear that wellness is interconnected. We love spending time with you to explore and practice the breakthroughs, the insights, and the passions of incredible people helping us all see the world in a whole new light. This is HealthGig. Ryan Haddon is a certified life and spiritual coach, hypnotherapist, and certified meditation teacher with over 18 years of experience with clients all around the world. Trisha and I are so excited to welcome Ryan to HealthGig. We're so thrilled you could join us. We had the honor and privilege of interviewing your mom recently, and she is your biggest cheerleader and said you must interview Ryan because we have a lot of synergy between us. So welcome to HealthGig. Oh, that's so nice. Thanks for having me. I'm the podcast Nepo baby over here. (laughs) (laughs) We're so so happy to have you and can't wait to, to learn from you. Yes. So we thought we'd begin. If you could just tell us a little bit about where you are in your life now and a little bit about your background, and then we'll just dive right in. I live on a farm in Pennsylvania. I moved here from Los Angeles about 10, 11 years ago. My husband wanted to restore an old farmhouse. So that's what we did. And it's been a beautiful and profound experience to just settle, settle the nervous system and really take time to expand in other ways. There's a time and place for city life and for that striving and that frequency for me in Los Angeles had gotten a little tired. I'm so grateful for all the lessons and adventures that it afforded me in that town. It's incredible. It's a place you can really see illusions get shattered and projections and aspirations. And it's really kind of a factory of Maya for the rest of the world. It's illusion. And you can get lost and caught up in it, which I did for a period of time. And it led me down kind of a darker path of addiction. And I got sober in 2003. So I'm just coming up on my 20 years of recovery and sobriety. So that's sort of the foundation. That said, I've been on a spiritual path since I was 17. I went to live in an ashram in India for several years at 17. So I was a seeker. That's what they call it. I've always been questioning. I've always wanted to know the meaning of life and the deeper connection that way. Where sort of in led India? Me down. I was in uh, Ganeshpuri, which is just outside of Mumbai. At the time, it was Bombay when I was there. Mm, We're learning more and more about India. How long were you there? How long did you stay there? Um, I'd say two years on and off. I finished high school there, and then I took my GEDs there and my exams, and I came back to go to college. So from there, I came back and started becoming a student in a different way. It's interesting that you went because there was a big period where lots of people were going, right? So when you went, were you alone over there (laughs) or were there still a lot of young people? No, there was a community. (laughs) It's a beautiful community, but it wasn't as it is now. Spirituality, meditation, it's it's not as mainstream. My God, no, this was like 80, 80 something. You were really, really ahead of your time. Yes. And of course it was my mother 
my beautiful mom who introduced me to that. And so she'd been on the path for a long time herself. And so this was something that she had wanted me to come and experience and have a meditation retreat for a weekend. And, you know, she had to bribe me to go because I was 17 (laughs) and unruly and had to bribe me to go. And I ended up staying and she understood that I ended up staying and, and they invited me to stay. And it was an honor for me to be able to be a part of that daily routine of living that life. You know, you're getting up early in the morning, you're doing chanting and prayers. And it was just a beautiful period of my life to be able to do that. Was there a particular guru or person that you followed? Yes. The head of that lineage, it's a Siddha lineage. It's called Siddha Yoga. And I followed that. Yeah. Very beautiful. It's just an incredible thing to be able to sit at the feet of a great being who has attained a certain state. And it's in this time and age of the false guru, It's very powerful to have experienced that and others. While I was in India, I met a few others also that are in a state of love and in a state of, you can't fake that. It either is or it isn't. You can talk it. And so it's been so important to me in the wellness space to make sure that I'm in integrity myself with what I practice and what I work with my clients. I didn't say that in the intro. I mean, you said that, but through that, the last 20 years of recovering in my own world, I was able to then turn around and work with others in that same way. And then started to make it a practice in my own life to become life coach, meditation, all those different things. And I just recently became certified as a breathwork facilitator because I'm always going to be adding modalities to be able to serve others, first myself and then others. But it's interesting how you started out so young on the spiritual path. Yeah. And you said that you went through your addiction years, which then really landed you into, I'm imagining, a much deeper spiritual experience now. Is that what you're Absolutely. That's yeah. astute. Yes. Well, well said. I definitely, just because I had these exalted spiritual experiences, it didn't preclude me from the human experience. It shortened the distance. That's what I think. I think I had a very short period of addiction that was very intense, but I think the grace of the practices that I had done, the grace of the teacher that I had studied with, all of that helped me come to the point of resistance. The surrender happened a little faster. So I'm so grateful because I sit around other people talking about years and years and years of going through that and so much compassion because it's a very twisty, windy road. Mm. But I will say that when I was ready to be done with that, I was able to experience a very practical spirituality that I could bring into my day-to-day and that I hadn't been able to do after India. I could sit and do all the things in the environment, but I didn't know how to bring it back into day-to-day, into life. I didn't have that blueprint for some reason. It didn't impress on me. It wasn't for lack of where I was. It was just, I wasn't able to work it. And so when I did get sober, this beautiful program showed up for me that really created a very simple way to be accountable, a simple way to show up with grace and dignity as a woman. And I didn't know how to do that before. The mentor that I worked with at the time said, you know, show me a practical man and I'll show you a spiritual man. God is in making your bed. And I loved that, that it could just be in the simple things. And I have used that so much with raising children and the chaos of, you know, being in a build in a house such as this, where where we moved and just so many moments where I felt that chaos around me and, and just focusing on washing dishes, that mindfulness, bringing that mindfulness to everyday life and be able to go into prayer and be able to sit quietly and be able to take three deep breaths and be able to access that peace within myself instead of just on the mat. So that became a real delineator of my own path and how I work with others. 
What do you think about this idea of like the moments in between, which I think is what you're talking about, like how we can create pause in our lives because it is so crazy? Like, how would you talk about that? And I love what you said, God is in making your bed. And that really resonated with me at the time. You know, there can be a tremendous ego on the spiritual path. Like I'm doing X amount of meditation, this amount of breath work, all those things. That's beautiful and wonderful. But how are you accessing that throughout the day when you're triggered? Because it's going to happen. And that's another thing that I like to dispel is just because you're spiritual doesn't mean we should be Zen and peaceful all the time. And then it's right. just that it really messes with the mind that I should be this way and it should look like this. And because I'm doing yoga retreats and these sorts of things, and you find a lot of people that's who come through my practice, people saying, I'm doing all the things, but I keep getting triggered. I keep getting activated. I keep seeing this negative thought process as it keeps bringing in the same experiences over and over. And that's why I love working with the subconscious mind. And that's where I really saw my healing accelerate because I had done all the studies, I had read all the books, I had gone to the retreats, understanding the power of our subconscious. And really, once you know that, it's easy because then you understand what voice is coming up. When you're triggered, you're going to hear that voice come up over, you're not good enough. It's not enough. There needs to be more. They should have done it this way. Those are those things that you hear over and over again, those repetitive sentences, phrases. That's the subconscious. That's your programming. It gives you a key into that. And then it's very simple to come up with the opposite. I am enough. There is enough letting everyone off the hook, I can focus on me. And then you can work those things in, not so much in beta, which is what we're talking in now, this output, but when you can just drop in through a few deep breaths and access that alpha brainwave state, then you're able to really upload new ideas into the subconscious. It's very simple, very profound, very beautiful. And our subconscious wants to do good for us. It's really the great Labrador that's just playing fetch and bringing us back consistently what we ask for, what we think about. Is that when you talk about the subconscious, is that the part of us that is the spiritual being, that part of us that is whatever we believe is the power or the universe, or is that what that is? I think so. I think it's subtle. Different hypnotherapists will say different things, but I think there's the superconscious, and I think it's accessible through the subconscious. I think it's both. I think they're connected. The subconscious gets a bad rap, just like the ego does. Because if we didn't have the ego, we'd be just a blob of consciousness. So we need the ego. We just don't want it running ramshot in inappropriate times. So it's just knowing that. And the same with the subconscious. You know, it, it does hold negative programming. It holds phobias. It holds addiction. It holds our emotions. It holds our imagination. Every memory you've ever had, everything you've ever done, it has these logs of it. So it's really, really super fascinating. It runs 95% of our life. Hypnosis, we. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. We don't know a lot about it, so we're really excited to learn. We were wondering how that plays. I mean, we know what it is, but we want to really know how you know it. In hypnosis, we relax the mind, the conscious mind. We relax the body most times. That's how I work. There's all different types of hypnosis that people do. So the one we know is, you know, the one like follow (laughs) the (laughs) (laughs) That one, that one. No, but that's effective. There's so many different kinds. There's stage hypnosis. It's very different. In fact, that has been a bit troubling for people because they see people acting, you know, outside of the bounds of their dignity, you know, clucking like a chicken or, you know, saying something they didn't want to say. So that kind of works against this idea of hypnosis hypnosis, but really it's all self-hypnosis. It's to the degree that you allow yourself to drop into that state. And a good hypnotist is able to gain that trust, to be able to feel that connection with that person, be able to understand what the programming is, and then drops them into this state where they're able to receive a new idea around something, a new way of looking at something, a new way of showing up, a new way of being, and able to take away the wiring that's been wired a certain way that's really not for the highest good. So do you hypnotize people yourself? Yeah. 
What does that look like? Take us through, let's say you were going to hypnotize us. What would we do and what would you do? Well, I'd have to know, first of all, what was really not working for you? Like, why are you coming here? You know, what is it for? So we'd we'd talk a lot about that. We'd understand what the phrases were, how hard you've tried these other things and where you're at now and what you want instead. And so I get your language because the subconscious recognizes its own verbiage. So we would do that. And then I would come up with a different script. And then it would drop you into this very relaxed state. It's between sleep and meditation. Let's call it that. Where you kind of go in and out of like kind of dreamy, the body's relaxed you feel comfortable. You don't have to keep track of what I'm saying, but you're in and out of picking up fragments of words. That's usually in a good hypnosis, that's what's happening. So it's picking up little pieces of phrases that you're saying, but the subconscious remembers recording everything. And then we say, this is how we're going to see this now. This is how it's going to feel now. This is a new way of looking at this with those specific words. And then the person would listen to, in my practice, I do a recording and then they listen to that several times. They start to see, this was my experience when I worked with a hypnotherapist many years ago, I started to see changes and shifts in my life in the day-to-day where I'd be like, wow, that really didn't bother me like it once did. I really actually don't care about that like I did. So it's like the triggers start to lessen. And that can be the soft, gentle way, or it can be intense where I worked with someone that had a crazy fear of the water and we did one session. And after that, she was like swimming in the ocean. Wow. So you couldn't even get in a pool. So it really depends where someone's at with flying, smoking, all kinds of different things people come to me for. But what I mostly people come to me is that they're feeling like they've done everything they can possibly do and they're still butting up against programming. They're still butting up against limiting beliefs about themselves. That's really my wheelhouse. How are you combining this breath work with that? How does this all work? I would imagine it's all holistic. Yes. I mean, usually our breath, you know, we're dropping into relaxation. Same with meditation. You usually take some breaths, whatever techniques you're using. It's usually just a great starting point. And so I was finding I was using that in my hypnosis and I love breath work. I'm using it in meditation when I teach meditation. And so I thought let's do a long, so it's an hour session of breath work. Now, breathwork right now is super trendy and there's a lot of different kinds. So I would say whoever's listening, if you've done breathwork and it didn't work for you, it might've been a holotropic breathwork. It might've been much more intense and it can create, you know, sometimes that's healing for some and might not be for others, just like certain meditations work for some and not for others. So it's really just exploring it further. And the breathwork that I studied is called rebirthing and it's very gentle and it's very natural to the body's rhythm. Basically what's happening is you're putting yourself into an alpha state through this breath, through this patterning, and the body starts to breathe itself and the mind starts to just allow again in and out of states. And again, when I do it, I'm talking to them about things we've talked about, things that they want to see a little bit differently. So it kind of is hypno breath work in a sense. There's a combination of that in how I do it. And that's my own personal way that I learned it that way. And then I bring my own voice to the mix. What's an alpha state for people who don't know, like me? So we're in beta right now, and that's sort of output. It's when you're receiving information. It's analytical. Again, it's a very fast brainwave activity. Just below that's alpha. Now, we dip in and out of these states throughout the day. When you space out, when you drive a car from A to B and you don't know how you got there, you went into these different states. And so when you go into meditation, if you have a nice meditation, or nice meaning you felt like your mind wasn't running the whole time, you're probably an alpha. Below that's theta. Theta is how we reorganize the subconscious mind. And when we're in the ages of zero to seven, we're in theta. Makes sense. We're trying to understand the world we're in. So we're categorizing, we're absorbing. That's what theta is. We're absorbing the world around us to understand it. 
And after seven years old, we kind of pop out and we're going back through all these different states, but we're primarily in theta. You find a lot of people have picked up a lot of things in their environment that aren't favorable from zero to seven years old, whether they had a bumpy childhood, whether they had parents who didn't have tools to say it in the kindest, gentlest way, or just their understanding of what happened. It doesn't even have to be something traumatic. It could be their understanding of something got categorized a certain way. So it really behooves all of us to kind of take a look at that time because that's what the blueprint we're working off of. Right. When we talk about being triggered, what that means is something's happening in real time. It reminds us the subconscious is taking note. Oh, shit, this looks like this other time where this terrible thing happened. So, so it's like true. anger, run, fight and flight. You know, it, and it sends cortisol through your system and your hands sweat. Like you can have a physical reaction and your conscious mind is like, what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? So it's that <laughs> yes. thing where you feel like you're at odds with yourself. And that's why the subconscious gets that bad rap because it looks like it hijacks the system, but it's trying to keep you safe. It's just trying to get out ahead of things, ahead of time. It's just this beautiful, loving aspect of us that's trying to make sure that this pain doesn't happen to you again, or this unfavorable experience doesn't happen again, but it can feel like you're at odds with yourself. So what we do in hypnosis is we shorten that distance. We reconnect to what real time, what's happening, how you can show up in love, how abundance is all around you, how it's okay for you to feel that you can love yourself, that it's the world around you is safe, like just primal things that you're enough. Are you kind of also blending in like parts, the different parts of us? So you kind of blend a lot in, right? It is because we do a lot of inner child work. There's the shadow. I talked about the ego, the subconscious, the conscious mind, the shadow, the inner child. There's just so many parts. And when you start to, I mean, we're just this incredible puzzle. When you start to understand who's in play, you can speak to that aspect of yourself. This is when the real work begins. No one's going to do it for you. Right. But we have to have the understanding of it. Like, oh, it's your inner child. Well, she's creating havoc right now because she feels like she's not being seen. She's not being heard. And that's a big part of my practice where I'm like, let's connect with her from here on out. What does she need? What's her voice? Because she can't be showing up at inappropriate times, like the ego. I talked about that before. Right. She can't be, you know, making demands in your adult relationship. Right. It's not fair. It's not it's right. Not fair. It's, it's you know, and it's not fair to her. She needs to be the kid. So how do we connect with her and say, I'm the adult on duty who wasn't there when you needed her back then, but I'm here now. So let's reconnect now. But from here on out, I'm gonna be the adult and you get to be the kid. But I'm gonna check in with you. What do you need? So what I have my clients do is like check in with her after your meditation, because you're in that alpha theta state, right? Check in with her. What does she want to do today? She wants to draw, she wants to play, she wants to journal, she wants to do something. And so giving her that appropriate space in your life can really help heal those parts that you mentioned. It gets fun. It should be fun. Well, how you're describing it, it is fun because I keep thinking about that child in me. And sometimes I have to say, no, just go play. Go on. You can play. I've got this now, you know, <laughs> like yeah. what you're saying. So go ahead. But yet there's that thing that you learned to trust them too. Because you know how you were talking about that one in us that can go ahead and protect us. Like they see it coming and they're going to protect us. And there's some value in that when there is crises and things going on. I think what I'm saying is you really do need to learn each one of your parts through how you're doing it so that you can live your best life now, like today. That's right. And I think we're also spiritual beings. We have a higher self. And so just as the inner child's in the past, we have the higher self in the future. The part of us that knows time is just a figment of our imagination, right? We understand It's hard to understand and conceptualize, but it really is all happening simultaneously. So there's a part of us that's more advanced on the path, the part that has our highest good in mind, the part that's like that great being that I sat at the feet of, that's a realized being that sees it all and has a lot of grace to her. So you can 
reach out to her too. And how would you see this? I teach people how to use a pendulum in my work too, because I think we outsource our uh, answers. Even if you have a coach, you know, what should I do? What should this? And it's great to have mentors. We all, I've had so many beautiful ones that have littered my path, but at some point it becomes like, I know everything that I need to know. I just need to deepen it, you know? So how can I get my own wisdom? You can access that through using a pendulum through, you know, yes and no answers. Is it in the highest good of all that I do this or I do that? I price all my courses, workshops through doing that. You know, should I put it here? Should I put it there? Because there is that divine aspect of us that we need to, you know, as we continue to advance on the path to lean into. Your mom said it, of course, we've heard it before, is that we are spiritual beings in these bodies. When you describe that or work with people, It's important to take care of our bodies, right? So that our spiritual being can do what it needs to do. So can you talk to us how you would teach us how to do that? I absolutely love healing the body. So I have a lot of things that I do. I do IR saunas. I do PEMF mats. I do stem cell stickers. I use Healy, which is microcurrent frequency. I do red light therapy. Those are just fun. Again, we're talking about fun. These are enjoyable, beautiful ways to heal. I had an autoimmune disorder, so that took it to another level for me to understand why my body was attacking itself in some ways. So those things I enjoy doing and I expose my kids to them. That said, you can experience similar things by doing detox baths. Get out in the sun. The sun has been vilified. Find the right times to expose yourself to the sun, not you know in the high sun, but it has so many nutrients. It's so powerful. It's another way to get vitamins, to absorb nutrients, to detox, to clean out the system. There's so many ways. Supplements, water, make sure your water is structured. Like find the things that you can afford to do at the level that you're at. It doesn't have to be, you know, thousand dollar IR sauna. If you can go to those places now that you can go and you can step into there with, with different people, like, you know, there's salt place. There's all these other things, which I love that this is all out in the world now because we're sovereign beings and we have to advocate for our own health and not listen to what's told to us. This is what you should do. And we're pushing against soil that's not, we're not getting the same nutrients we used to. So we have to be more proactive. Our food isn't as nutrient dense. What supplements can you take? Even if you drop some trace minerals into your water, it would really have fulvic acid, not expensive. It's easy ways you can get on Amazon, like find the highest quality food you can eat and water that you can drink and find a system. I'm a big fan of Berkey. I think Berkey filters are great. There's a lot of controversy in the water world. Yeah. (laughs) There's Kangens. There's so many different systems, but just inform yourself and then trust your inner self, what you feel guided to use. I think it's important to push back on all the pollutants and all the oftentimes recommendations and to come up with your own path forward. The inner wisdom that you're talking about that's in each one of us for women aging, the bodies definitely are doing what they're doing and men aging too, but the wisdom and the the spiritual aspect, it just seems to sort of, I don't want to say it changes, but it feels like the spiritual side of you can grow easier because the body doesn't seem as much of a focus. I don't know what I'm saying there, but what do you think about that? Oh, I have lots of thoughts about that. <laughs> no, I, I, like yeah, I said, okay, I was in marinating in the LA climate, yeah. which is like, you know, really tough to age. And I bought into all that. I was doing all those things that you imagine are done there. And you find a lot of people in the wellness space that do that. And as soon as I see that on my feed, I'm like, unfollow, like, No judgment, but this is about self-love and self-acceptance and accepting ourselves aging. It has to be what it is. Am I going to sit back and, you know, no, I drink collagen. 
I take supplements, I pray, I meditate, I do all the things that create inner beauty and that's going to result in outer beauty. I also use have an incredible skincare system that I adore and I'm going to give a shout out to Osmosis right now because I think it's clean and it's crazy effective. So it's Osmosis? Okay, osmosis. We're, on, we're on it. <laughs> yeah, we're trying yeah, it. Okay. It's amazing. Okay. STEM factor. Okay. STEM factor. Yeah. <laughs> and is, I just think it's amazing. And so I do nothing. I don't go get facials. I do all that at home. I use little um, microcurrent on my face at home. I just put it all in my hands now and I don't do lasers and I don't, that's great. works for some people, but I definitely do not do injections at all. It's been many years. I don't do that because I, um, first of all, have an autoimmune that I've been healing from and I don't like the message around it. And I can't stand behind what I'm teaching right. that we can't be afraid, you know, and people will put it under the category of self-care and I disagree. It has a little bit of fear to it. And I've never come out so strongly on a podcast about it. I've been asked about it before, but I can only speak about my experience, strength and hope and to share that that's been true for me, that it was a journey for me to let go of that and just trust that it was going to be okay. And people say, oh, that's fine for you. You're pretty, but it's almost scarier because if you've gotten a lot of uh, validation for how you look, it's hard to let go of those props. I do my self-care and that's gua sha and I do lymph drainage and I do self-massage on my face and I do you know all those things that feels good and that feels loving and right. I do it from a place of self-care and self-love and I'm turning 53 and I feel like I look and feel and sound and just a more most resonant version of myself that I ever was. But it's been a journey to get there. And I have bought into all the all the other things at varying times. It's a struggle. But like you said, once it's acceptance and you're there and you're doing, as you said, self-care and loving what you are, it's got to go deeper. But it is hard to let go of what was magic, yeah. you know, and what is now. Yes. And when you understand that those things are neurotoxins and they actually do accumulate in the system, like even hyaluronic acid, those things, they don't dissolve entirely. And it's right in your brain. It was a leap of self-love to say, no more. I know that it's toxic. I know I don't care what they say. There's plenty of data, just like breast implants. I had my breast implants taken out several years ago. They've been hiding this and they've been acting like it's not a thing. It's an actual thing. It's toxic for the system. The body can't process it. Yeah. It's toxic for the system and the mind, though, because you're telling yourself you don't like yourself. You don't like the way you are. And it's almost a self-hatred. Yeah, in my case, I had had a reduction. And so I had did whatever. It was like a whole story. It was just like one of those things, but I wasn't sovereign. I wasn't, you know, I didn't do the research. And that's why I'm saying, don't even listen to what I'm saying. If, I, if this sparks something for someone who's listening, go look into it. The biggest takeaway I would say in this time is do the research. Look it up see what other women are saying, and then run it through your own filter. Does it make sense to me? When I understood that Botox and fillers are neurotoxin, I was like, I can't unring that bell. Now I know. Now if I go willingly and do that, that's not self-love. Well, I remember somebody saying this to me. She said, you know, Trisha, again, as you started out, like no judgment, you know, people would rather look this way and then have the health issues it was not what I would have understood, but I kind of understood it when she said, you know, like, I don't know why they want to do that. But if they do, I think what you're saying is just do it consciously. Just know why you're doing it and Absolutely. do your research. Absolutely. And it takes time to wrap your mind around it because it is so prevalent and it's so widely accepted, like so many other things. So it's like a little awakening that happens and it takes time for it to then get pervasive in all areas of your life. You know, we used to put Splenda in our coffee. Like, I don't know who still does that, but I'm sure people do. That's what I'm saying. It's unlearning these things that we've been told are okay and they're actually not. And so it's okay. It's a journey. 
Everyone's on a different spectrum with it. So what kind of work do you do with relationships? I had a course called the Relationship Triumvirate, and it was a six-week course on relationships, relationship to self, relationship to others, usually intimate relationship and a relationship to God, you know, something greater, higher self, whatever that is. And so those are like the three, but everything is relationship to self. It really becomes that. So I find like someone comes to me and they're like, I want to divorce my husband. I'm done with this relationship. This I'm like, wait, 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 hang on. Let's see how you're showing up in this partnership. What are your expectations? What are your demands? Where are you not taking care of your own needs and wants? And where are you putting that on them? Because that breeds resentment. And so let's untangle this. And I feel like I've saved a few marriages (laughs) (laughs) by just getting back to taking care of our own needs and wants and these expectations that society has also created of what a relationship should do for you. And it's really just a piece of your life. It's a part of your life. Where is it out of balance? But relationships are big and relationship to self is at the forefront. And I'll have women come in who are dating and are pulling in emotionally unavailable partners. And so that speaks directly to how they experience themselves. So we'll take a look at that. We'll, we'll build that back up and lo and behold, it's a frequency game. So that shifts and changes and then their love of their life shows up. That's happened so many times. It's, it's knowing that. Obviously, you do understand energy work. So do you do the idea that we're all energy? Thoughts create are you reality. A, yes. Are you a bit intuitive? A little I bit think so. Intu- I think yes. so, too. <laughs> a I little think psychic? So. I think maybe. I do. More and more, I really do. Because I, I think when I go into hypnosis with people, I'm in a different state myself. And so I'm picking up different things that are coming through. And yeah. I would imagine that ability to lock into that you're there. So in a way, it's not really psychic. You're having that shared experience. I think I'm just meeting them right where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm open. I'm able to quiet my own noise, I'm able to just mm-hmm. listen between the lines. And so even in coaching, I can hear this. So I think that does show up in that place and it feels beautiful is what it feels. Yeah, I can't I can imagine. It. it feels very, very fulfilling. You went through what you had to go through and you got to places that maybe a lot of us don't get to, you know, in this journey, but you got there. I just feel like you gain insight when you go places like that. I don't know. That's a story. I think I have. you can hold space for other people. You know, there's been a lot of different stories in my past. I think to the degree, any great healer or person in the wellness space is to the degree that they can hold space themselves for their wounds, their trauma, and their ability to heal it, that they're in integrity with that. And they've done that work. Then they're able to really show up in partnership with someone else and be able to hold that space for them. Such a gift. Yeah. When you talked earlier about how you went and now you're certified in breath work, It just hit me when you were talking about that, when you said there's different kinds of techniques and I don't have it here, but I just got this book that has a couple pages on each one of the different types. And I don't know why, Doro, it never occurred to me, like it's bio-individual, you know, like each one of us will find that one that supports you. But we've always done like four, seven, eight. We've talked about moving in, but we didn't know about all these other tools and techniques that are at our fingertips just through our breath. And as you said, you're an expert in that one field, but the idea with breath, right? Like, isn't it, tell me, and I don't know the right way to say this, but it's both voluntary and involuntary, right? But when we're doing this technique or when you're doing it like an hour long breath work, you're doing a specific type of breath. It's so a conscious doing, pattern, yes, right? And you're just going in. In the beginning, it's like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then the body knows and it breathes, starts breathing itself that way. And then you can have discharge of tension through the body or whatever's on the surface emotionally or traumas or different things that can happen. And yeah. as you said, it gets you in a different state, which could be a meditative using the breath work Absolutely. as a tool. Yes. 
Or is different from four, seven, eight, because you're just really, you're doing yeah. the same. It's also the period of time that you do it because you're able to unload varying levels of what you've been holding on to, both in the body and in the emotions and even spiritually, I think. So it's layered. Yeah. What makes so much sense with the learning to understand breath in this way is that it really is our connection to spirit. I mean, it just is. We, we come into this world through a breath we take and we a breath this, and we, and we exit leave. this world with an exhale. It's right. I think that that's an area that we all can benefit so much from Absolutely. and exploring and, and it's having free, people like, you know? yeah, and it's free. <laughs> it's easier to do an hour long in a group or do it with a coach alongside you because you can set your alarm to do it, but there's something about someone talking you through it that feels like you're being held in some ways because things do come up. I don't know. It's just loving. I've had, I've done it so many times and every single time has been different. Every time I've had a different physical reaction. And then there's been other times where I've absolutely just left my body. And then I'll come back and I'll be like, wow, my body's still breathing itself. Right. Because, <laughs> because if you're asleep, you wouldn't be able to keep that pace going. And that's another thing by doing it with someone, you won't space out. You won't yeah. like fall asleep. Like they're with you, breathing with you and watching it happening. Is there at some point, maybe not today because we don't have time, but it would be fun if you could do it on a podcast with us. In no, a we could do of- it and people could listen in, us three. That would yeah. be fun. Sure. Yeah, that would be really great. It's so accessible. It's free. It's there. And in moments when we really need something, it's there. And and it would just be nice to know that maybe that's your go-to first, mm-hmm. you know, your water, your breath that type of things. And then you could look at other ways that could support you through things. Yeah. There's a bunch of breath work that you could do in the moment like that, like the four, seven, eight, like box breathing, you know, Nadi Shodhana, which is alternate. There's a few things like that, like just kind of these specific processes. But again, the breath work, like in an hour, like a session is a long hour. You go through different phases and sometimes it can only feel like 20 minutes. It's fascinating. You lose track of time. I love what you were touching on about there being different kinds of breath work for different people, yeah. depending where they are in that season of their life. Yeah, And yeah. it's the same for meditation. When I studied meditation, there's four different types of meditation that are very specific. You know, like Kundalini yoga meditation is different than Zen meditation, which is more mindfulness versus hypnosis, which is a type of meditation versus visualization. So it's knowing what season you're in. And if you're doing mindfulness and it doesn't feel like you have a juicy connection, we'll try a different type. Is that what you do is to help people discover what works for them and you walk them through all these different techniques? I do. I've just created this other package that I do with people where it's a really, I'm going to give you everything I've learned over 30 years. Wow. And it's the one I'm most excited about working with is I'm going to give you how to use the how to do this, how to meditate, all different types of meditation, emotional freedom technique, hypnosis, breath work, all the modalities that I have and the coaching, obviously. Is this over Zoom or how do you yeah. do it? All my clients are global. I have clients in Saudi Arabia. I have clients in Australia. I have London, Paris. It's global. It is. Yeah, it's just as effective. Is that program a class that a group of people take or is this offered one-on-one? Or how I know I have it? different offerings. Like you can come in and do three hypnosis sessions. You can do you know, a three-month container. You can do a six-month container if they want to do one issue if it's all through their lives. So we're hitting it in the spiritual, the emotional, the trauma, all the different aspects of it. And how do you keep yourself strong? Yes. I am always learning and I do everything. I love it. I do breath work. I do meditation. I do hypnosis. I do sound baths. I have like nine bowls over there. That's another thing I do. I do tuning for, I'm just, I love it. I'm always reading. It's so beautiful and so fun and so joyous. And that's not to say that I don't go through periods where I can disconnect and I feel less excited about it, but it's also like I have goats on a farm and like, I can go out and do all my prayers out there with them on the land. 
walking them and I'll be singing and chanting. And it doesn't have to look like this very formal thing. If it's not fun, then maybe it's time to shift it up. You know, if you're doing this very rigid, you know, I was doing Kundalini yoga for a very long time and I love it so much. I would do these 40 day sadhanas, they're called, where you do a, something for 40 days, you do a practice. And I did a lot of them and I loved them. And then there came a point where I was like, I'm in a different season now. So it's intuiting that, it's knowing when to show up because you need that discipline and when to do it throughout your day. Make the connection in a less formal way. You're making it up, friend, you know? <laughs> but do it. Find that connection point because the world is going to grab at your attention. There's programming happening. People are like, oh, I don't want to be programmed in, hip, you know, in hypnosis, but you're being programmed all the time. You just don't know it. Through all what you're time. listening to, through what you're saying, you're casting spells with your words, yes. you know, through what you're watching, what you're listening to, what the people around you are saying, you are being programmed. So if you don't like it, you're a sovereign being. I'm going to say that again. And so figure out what you want to program inside you. And then you'll figure out, then your world around you will shift. What they say too is, you know, be careful of the people you surround yourself with. Be conscious, not be careful, but just be conscious because it is an energy share. It is. I find when we upgrade, people just kind of fall away. You don't have to work at it so hard. You just keep up leveling your frequency. Just keep doing things that bring you joy. And those people that are making noise in your life, you'll have less tolerance for it. You don't have to worry about setting boundaries. You know, it'll be that will just (laughs) happen because you'll do that if, you know, you have people leaking in. But staying in your lane and focusing on up-leveling yourself, and by that I mean that what fills you up, where you're living your purpose, where you're feeling joyful, fulfilled in other areas outside of your partnership, which is important too, is going to create this unstoppable frequency around you that people are just going to bounce off of. It's not better or worse. It's just- right. It's just similar to you. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll just bounce off. It'll be like you have this light around you. It just is not a vibrational match. And they'll just fall away. They're like, I'm busy today. You're like, okay, great. You know, right. just, <laughs> that works like that out works just through. fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I love what you said. I mean, setting boundaries is so important, but sometimes it takes so much energy that you're doing. Like you said, just level up, just do what's in you, for you, supporting the higher good, the next kindest move. Someone said that to me yesterday. Just have your next step be that of integrity and kindness. You know, when yes. you're feeling overwhelmed and in a way, level up level up. I think a good healer should know when to pull back. There's been times for me where I felt like it was a little more dry or I felt like a little less excited about the path. And I just, I don't go out there. I'm not, I won't do podcasts and I won't do TV appearances and I won't, it's just not, it's not an alignment. I don't want to be a talking head. We don't need another person like that in the space. I'm just following the joy. And if it serves, and if I still enjoy being of service in this way, I'll do it for as long as it, you know, I'm, God is my employer, you know, so that's, oh, I'm just I here. That. I get moved around on the board. It's like, you want to do a that. place in Manhattan, Upper East Side, Manhattan? Sure. I'll do that. That sounds like fun. And then when it stops being that joyous, okay, then I'm done. Like, I'm not afraid to close doors. Everything gets reorganized around me because that's my mission. How can I show up? How can I help another in a joyful way? It's also like you have trust. And I just think that that comes with a lot of the work that you're doing, you know, the ability to trust, which is difficult, I know, in a lot of cases for me, (laughs) but to trust that next thing. What is that, you know? Yes, it goes against the world of boss babe and like taking less, making it happen, like all that mindset. There's a lot of that. There's a surrender and a trust and then also taking action steps towards things that matter to you. 
and not having to see the result, but just being willing to, I'm just going to do the footwork, but I'm going to turn the results and the outcome over to something greater and see how it reorganizes things in that way for me. Because I can't see, my ego can't see, I can't see, but I'm not going to let my ego dictate things. I you mean, know I'm what? sure you know, we did happened. an exercise that was so incredible and sounds so simple, but you know, archery. It was just an incredible experience, this idea of just opening your heart, moving back, closing your eyes, just doing all that you can, and then letting go. So when you said that, I experienced yeah, that. Yeah, visual. And standing tall and standing mm. brave, you mm-hmm. know, when you said that, that's yeah, right. being just grounded. Do- yeah, agree. And it takes a lot. You can say those things, but it takes a lot of inner work. You know, people think surrender is like sitting on the couch and just being like, make it happen. No, it takes a tremendous, you know, surrender is a really active tenet to embody because it's, it involves trust. It involves work to hold your state. So you don't keep dipping like and doubting because the doubt is it's just spinning your wheels. And we all were human. It happens. But we're being asked to not be evidence-based and to just trust. I have evidence actually time and time and time and time again. You know, I'm just sitting here on a farm and then I get asked to be like in-house life coach for Poosh, you know, and I'm like, what? Okay, sure. Right. <laughs> writing, you know, just writing on Instagram. I have, this happened so many times in my life. I just trust that there's a vision that's greater than I can imagine it could be. But I have to hold my state. I have to do the work underneath all of that to keep shedding and keep evolving and keeping excited about what I'm doing. And, you know, there's seasons where you're not. Like I said, we give ourselves that grace. It's not on me. It's a good life, ladies. Yeah, it is. Ryan, how can people find you? They can find me on Instagram. That's my favorite place to write and talk and really with what's current. So it's at ryan.hadden and then my website, ryanhadden.com. Wow. You've left us with a lot of food for thought. It's just been amazing and a joy to have you with us. Oh, thanks for creating this beautiful space for all these voices and all these incredible people, including yourselves. Well, thank you. This container. Yep. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. We're excited to have best-selling author Dr. Jennifer Freed with us at the Gasparilla Inn in November this year. She's an author and renowned psychological astrologer that works with Gwyneth Paltrow of Goop and other celebrities to see how wellness, astrology, and personal growth add up. Join us for our yearly Foundations of Wellness experience by calling the Gasparilla Inn at 877-764-1420 or visiting their website at the-gasparilla-inn.com.